This episode of Market Foolery is brought to you by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Rocket Mortgage brings the mortgage process into the 21st century with a fast, easy, and completely online process. Check out Rocket Mortgage today at quickenloans.com/fool. It's Monday, July 25th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Million Dollar Portfolio, Jason Moser. And back from his wedding, from Stock Advisor Canada, Taylor Markerman. Welcome back. Hey, hey. We got the usual Monday band well, back we're together. Back in the saddle, right? Exactly. We're good. We're, it feels warm. It's the best thing we've been keeping it from you. Yeah, exactly. We, what, do you think we're going to replace you? Well, yeah. we were talking about him throughout his absence, right? I mean, it was good stuff, obviously. Yeah, you listen, I'm sure. But Yeah, exa- Yeah, I'm sure that's what he was doing <laughs> yeah. on his nightmare. Like, hey, wait a minute, dear. Let me just catch this episode I, I, real just quick. Excellent, excellent. Any, I, I any hope, knife uh, fights break out at your wedding? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll, get to, we'll get to more details on the wedding in a bit. Um, we got to start with... Uh, what the news fairy brought this morning, and that is Verizon buying Yahoo for $4.8 billion. Keep in mind, this does not include Yahoo Japan. This does not include <laughs> the stake in Alibaba. A lot of things to get worked out here. Uh, one thing we do know that was confirmed uh, uh, by one spokesperson was that uh, the Yahoo Sports and Yahoo Finance uh, entities will remain as standalone. So, sort of, you know, so any any thought that Verizon was going to do some massive overhaul in terms of branding, at least in the moment, appears like that's not going to take place. But um, what do you think? Well, I'll actually kick this out there and encourage Verizon to maybe take for uh, Yahoo Finance back to back to its old old look. I think Yahoo Finance. Had they had just, a little bit of a makeover here it. recently, and I got to say, I don't like it, Chris. <laughs> I don't like it at all. It's. Uh, they weren't spending their money. <laughs> well, I'm not really sure what the priorities there, and everybody's got an opinion, and you know what they say about those. But uh, yeah, I feel like yeah, the Yahoo Finance page was was better before than it is now. Um, I, I think though, in in regard to the deal, I mean, this is news that we knew was coming. I mean, in some capacity, it was a matter of who, and that it's Verizon isn't really a surprise. I think the biggest question. For Yahoo remains, and this is now going to be Verizon's responsibility. Is what is it? What problem does it actually solve? And and I think that when we saw Marissa Meyer take over the business back in 2012, I think it was we were pretty consistent in saying that we would judge her success based on her ability to grow the top line, just organic revenue, sans acquisitions. Show us how you're going to take this business forward because the competitive landscape had certainly changed. Um, in the recent past, and and if you look at their income statement, their their top line had just not gone anywhere. So I, I think that says it all. I mean, I, I don't think that anyone could have really gone in there and taken this business in any other sort of a direction because I think the writing was almost already on the wall with sort of the new social generation and, and where most eyeballs are going. Now, with that said, I mean, you made some good points there in regard to Yahoo Finance, Yahoo Sports. There are some valuable properties there that do garner a lot of eyeballs every Absolutely. month, along with AOL, oddly enough. And so I think Verizon has some interesting properties there with which to work. But I mean, like you said, this deal doesn't include Yahoo Japan. It does not include their stake in Alibaba. This is one piece of sort of the overall plan to unlock value for shareholders in whatever capacity they can, while hopefully minimizing any any tax exposure. And so, there's some big questions there to, to be answered in regard to Yahoo Japan and, and Alibaba. Um, I think as it stands, though, I mean, this is, this is probably the best case scenario. 
But with that said, I wouldn't be terribly surprised here. Within the next two years, you see Verizon start writing down some goodwill off this acquisition. I mean, close to $5 billion, it's a pretty big chunk of change. And I'm not sure really that Yahoo, when I, when I look forward these coming 10 years, I don't put Yahoo up there as one of sort of the top web properties where, where consumers, where people, where, where younger folks are, are starting to go. Just in December, a writer from Bloomberg did the deep dive into the core business of Yahoo and valued it at 1.7 billion. So yeah, right there. And there was a pretty damning Bloomberg cover. I mean, not all that long ago, that sort of took on this issue as well. So again, I mean, I think for for Yahoo shareholders, this is this is a good deal. I mean, you take this and you and you run. Uh, still questions to be answered there as far as as the remaining assets of the business, but. Um, Big test for Verizon now. I'd be very interested to see what they plan on doing with it. Yeah, I think that from time to time, we'll you know you'll hear something about like, well, this era is now over, and and but I think in 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 this case, I don't think it's an overstatement to say that you know the era of Yahoo as we know it is over, in the sense that um, most people's interactions, certainly here in the states, uh, with Yahoo has to do with. You know, using various properties, whether it's sports, finance, whatever. And I, and by the way, we've worked with Yahoo Finance for a long time. Um, and but I, I agree with you. Like when they when they changed it, because I I use Yahoo Finance all the time. I used to. And and when they <laughs> when they used it, when they switched over the interface and sort of the way they do charts and that kind of thing, I was like, no no no. no. I, yeah. So anyway. Um, Interesting though that this is one of those situations where you know from time to time we'll talk about the smart money. The smart money through this whole process was on Verizon, and this turned out to be one of those situations where the smart money was right. That you know, like I think to the extent that anyone was going to extract value from this, even if they're you know, whether they overpaid for it or not, and if you look at Verizon stock down maybe half a percent, at least the reaction in the market is not that they wrote. A way too large check. No, I think this is actually a pretty reasonable check, particularly when you consider the size of Verizon's network. I mean, that's really the attractive proposition here um, for them is they have this they have this tremendous network that's going to allow these web properties. If there's any success at all, I mean, this is the best chance to scale them because I mean, you're looking at at really one of the largest, if not the largest, mobile networks in the world. Um, not to mention the connection they have in, in many people's homes, but I mean this is certainly going to play into their mobile strength and give them a chance to at least get this content, get these properties out there in front of as many eyeballs as possible, and and help monetize really one of the strengths of the platform and its advertising. Well, you look at Yahoo claiming six hundred million monthly active mobile users. Yeah, so yeah. There you get an instant shot in the arm. I'm sure, there's some overlap, but. I can't imagine it's more than fifty percent. I mean, I think that's the power of habit too. I mean, I, I on my phone, I've got the Yahoo Weather app and the Yahoo Finance app, and I use them both. Um, I don't rely on them on them both all the time. I mean, I can ask my Amazon Echo what the weather is going to be like too. But but out of habit, I find myself clicking one or two of those apps each day just to get some information. So again. I think there is there is some some power of habit there that that they can continue to kind of rely on as long as they keep those properties relevant, fresh, and and uh, you know with with information that people actually value. You mentioned that in terms of Yahoo shareholders, this was you know probably a good deal. Worth noting that back in two thousand eight, Microsoft offered forty five 
$45 billion for Yahoo. And and that was before Alibaba blew up. Yes, and yeah. Yahoo turned yeah, that, that, was that down. Bad. So, That's amazing. Uh, late last week, Boston Beer uh, reported second quarter results. Revenue down 3%. The market share is declining for the third quarter in a row. They cut guidance for the full fiscal year. And yet, shares of Boston Beer up 10%. Tell me where the optimism is coming from. Where's, where's the excitement? Why, why, is the, why is there excitement? <laughs> Fortune.com, they had a, the first paragraph of an article that said uh, that they blew the cap off analyst expectations. How low were expectations? <laughs> I mean, expectations were pretty low, Chris. But let me just say, right here and right now, I promise, I'm going to go buy a six-pack of Samuel Adams beer, and I'm going to get to the bottom of this, and I will circle back with you both and give you my uh, my my, my answer exactly. Uh, <laughs> potentially into the next day, given the heat wave we're having in the greater DC area, <laughs> I would expect no less. No, no, I, no seriously, like was this simply a, a a function of expectations? So I think there are a couple things. So this this from our perspective, we hold Boston Beer in million dollar portfolio. It's a company that we bought. Um, we were very patient with this one, bought it somewhere in the neighborhood of $160, $162. So we felt like we were very patient, got a great price for it for a business that is certainly facing a lot of challenges right now. And I think I think expectations were pro- I think the expectation was that they were gonna come into this with this release and guide down even further than the guidance that they had revised the previous quarter. And the fact that they, I mean, they did revise guidance slightly. Essentially, what they did is they revised the depletions guidance a little bit to where it basically eliminated eliminated any positive side, but it, it didn't go any deeper into the red. And with earnings, they just they reduced the range slightly. And so, I think from that perspective, that was probably a win because I mean, the story quarter in and quarter out is the craft brew segment is so competitive right now, and Boston Beer, for all of its past success, is really in sort of a new paradigm now where craft beer has become very local, and and depending on where you are, is going to kind of dictate what you're drinking. I, I think that with Boston beer, though, I mean, what, let's understand what got them to this point, the success that they're having, and I think that they're doing a smart thing in sort of diversifying their portfolio as as a smart investor might, instead of relying on one particular product or beer like Samuel Adams. I mean, Again, we talk about alchemy and science and the different brands that it brings under that portfolio. Um, establishing new uh, types of beverages like ciders, like sodas, hard sodas, hard seltzers now is a new line, and so they're utilizing. Hard seltzers? Yeah, I know it's weird. I haven't <laughs> ever tried one, but it's something that's been introduced. It's 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 a thing. It's a thing. Um, but what I've what I've found in researching more and more of sort of these different sort of sort of niche beverages is that they're really pursuing a whole new demographic of drinker. I mean, I think that generally speaking, when you think of craft beer, you probably have a picture of just sort of a younger millennial style individual Who's ready to go out there and try all sorts of different flavors of, of whatever you know IPAs are out there and pay a little bit more? It, it possibly yeah, pay a little bit more. And, and I think we're even seeing now where where we're reaching a point where they're starting to lose some of that pricing power. Uh, but but Boston Beer, by the efforts of things like Concrete Beach Brewery and Angel City and all of those other other uh, styles of beverages that they're they're introducing to their portfolio, they're pursuing 
various demographics, whether they be Latino or Asian or African American, they're recognizing the fact that there's a larger swath of drinker out there than just sort of this typical, the stereotypical craft beer drinker. And, and so I think these are investments they're making today that will pay off down the road. Um, I, I think there is only so far that, that this sort of craft beer stage can go until it becomes so saturated that it's going to have to start weeding out some of the smaller players. I think that as the cost of business goes up, we'll see more and more of that. And, and I think that you, you see, if you go to the grocery store and you look on the shelves, you see a lot of IPAs out there. I think IPAs have been a very popular beer over the past couple of years. They're starting to lose a little bit of their shine, and you're seeing some some brewers going into some different styles like Goes or whatever else. Um, and so I think that that's one advantage that Boston Beer has is the ability to sort of pursue those different styles of beverages. And they talked a little bit about acquisitions. They're interested in that, but by the same token, they noticed that in a lot of these areas that the the multiples are extremely high, and that makes a lot of sense. You know, these markets have a lot of optimism in them, and the multiples are going to be pretty high. And so they have the opportunity to pursue that down the road. But I think for now, it's it's focusing on sort of rebranding a little bit. They've got a new chief marketing officer coming in and figuring out what people actually want to drink, and then just making sure that they get those styles of beverages out of their form. They're going to spend more money on marketing and ad promotions. And yeah, like that. they are. It'll be interesting to see, though, because the John John Potter, I think his name was. Yeah, yeah, uh, Potter, I believe. Coming from Diageo and Mullet Hennessy, so not not a beer marketer, but still yeah, I think he had, the biggest alcohol yeah. distributors in the world. So yep. Pretty interesting. I don't know too much about Boston Beer in terms of their growth, but has um, acquisitions ever been? Not typically. I mean, they've they've acquired uh, physical breweries in order to expand their capacity. Um, I think the the Alchemy and Science wing, which started out as a very sort of incubator like style of a uh, wing of the business, has grown to become a more significant portion of revenues as time has gone on, and that's been the idea. And so and so the hope is that they will be able to recognize some perhaps good acquisitions to continue to bring into that model. Um, but I think they were very clear on the call that they're going to be particular. They're not going to go in there and just overpay in the face of what some might view as a frothy craft beer market, so to speak. I'm still trying to wrap my head around the seltzer water with alcohol in it. <laughs> yeah, because like, seltzer water is just carbonated water. Sure. So what? With five percent alcohol. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I mean, it's a thing. I can't say I've tried it. I can't say I will. But apparently, there are people out there that like it and drink it, and hey, hats off to them. All right, before we move on, I've got to say a word about Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Um, if you bought a house, or you're looking to buy a house, or refinance your mortgage, then it's worth checking out Rocket Mortgage because uh, it takes all of that complicated, time consuming stuff that goes into applying for a mortgage right out of the equation. You can share your bank statements and pay stubs at the touch of a button. Rocket Mortgage will help you get approved in minutes for a custom mortgage solution that's been tailored to your own financial situation. And the best part is you can just do it all on your phone or tablet. So if you're looking to refinance or you're looking to buy a home, check out Rocket Mortgage today. Quickenloans.com slash full equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLS consumeraccess.org number 3030. Uh, before we wrap up, Let's share a little bit about where we've been and what we've been doing. I mean, people, we've been talking about your wedding. Yeah. I, I think at least a couple of our listeners were concerned that, you know, where's Taylor? Is Taylor, is Taylor coming back? 
No one suggested this, but you know, anytime I hear about like, oh, this couple got married and they went away on a cruise, and then uh, then one of them fell overboard, and it's like uh, <laughs> never yeah, saw them exactly. Again. I didn't fall overboard. <laughs> There's still one of us out there. Yeah, exactly. Um, one, one or two highlights from the wedding. There was no knife fight. There were no knife fights. So I can't report back on that. But, okay. Um, I don't know. It was just, it was the most incredible weekend of my life. Yeah. That's you had a great time. Great party. Great party. Family and friends. Saw the sunrise the night of the wedding. So. You got married in Portugal, right? Yeah. So 6:30, the lights came in. Is there a uh, any sort of traditional thing that happens at a wedding in Portugal that? you know, wouldn't happen at the typical typical American wedding? We had second dinner at two thirty in the morning. <laughs> second dinner. Yeah, what time wait is that like wait. the fourth meal that Taco <laughs> Bell's always trying exactly. to sell? Hit him with the hind. Uh what when's the first dinner? Like seven, eight? Well the first dinner started at uh yeah, like eight o'clock. So. And then, you know, drinks, dancing Dance till two, and then second dinner. Sit down for second dinner. Well, wow. It was all just like stations, so you know, no one was really sitting down at a table, but people were definitely sitting down because uh, soup on the dance floor could get a little. Yeah, no, nobody <laughs> yeah. wants that. Nobody wants that. Um, you were golfing last week. Well, yeah, I did. I took an impromptu uh, sort of trip. I had a buddy of mine from Kazakhstan. He works with Exxon Mobil. He's not from Kazakhstan, but I met him out there at the time. We were all out there together. And uh, he had some friends up in Connecticut, and so I took a very last-minute trip up to Connecticut because the golf course really warranted getting up there. The fact that I could get up there and play with my friends and, and play that golf course, fly right into Hartford. You know what? I actually drove, believe it or not. Wow. Yeah, and I mean, from here, like I woke up Friday morning or Thursday morning, at, um, left at five, and got to Greenwich, Connecticut at nine thirty. So, nice. I mean, a four and a half hour drive straight up. It was really nice. Um, I got to watch the sun come up myself <laughs> there, but uh, I mean the golf course itself was one. It's called the Stanwich Club, and it's up in Greenwich, and they've had some USGA events and some team uh, international team events and whatnot. It, just a phenomenal golf course, kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity for me to get up there and play it. So I had to take advantage of it while I could. Uh, well, it's it it goes back to sort of the old Donald Ross style, uh, greens wise. Um, I'm, I'm Tom, sorry, as the non golfer yeah. in the room. Well, you so basically, let's if, if you visualize the greens. Because when you said what style course was it, my I was going to interject. I think it was a golf course. So if you're if you're hitting into the green, and you know the, the green is like that big sort of flat area where you do all of your putting. Donald Ross is an old designer he's long since passed away but he's he's renowned for building sort of these what are known as sort of turtleback greens and so they're greens that are like a turtleback and they slope off in every direction it means it's very difficult to keep your ball on the green and when you've got them on the green they're still difficult to putt and um and so this was that style of golf course that was just uh very difficult from tee to green immaculately kept very exclusive private place up there that yeah, I wouldn't have a chance to play otherwise, and so uh, just a neat opportunity to get up there. And we talk about hot weather. I know you were you were up in Canada talking about the burning eighty degrees. I mean, I think we were at about hundred <laughs> degrees that day we played, but you just didn't feel it because it was so much fun. It was yeah, it was definitely warm in Canada for Canada, but <laughs> relative to what we have going on this week, it was it was fine. But well, what was, were you doing up there? Uh, so. Um, Went to Niagara Falls first. Nice. Flew into flew into Buffalo, spent the night there, and then hit Niagara Falls. And I just gotta say, Niagara Falls, I'd never been before. It's totally worth it. <laughs> it is totally worth the the the. And I'm talking about the boat ride. Like get on the Maid of the Mist and go out there, and you got the poncho oh. on. Like that experience. That's totally worth 
being in the town of Niagara Falls on the Canada side, which is inc- just, uh, it's as I said to someone, it's like Las Vegas vomited on a small town because <laughs> it's just all of these, like you go down this main strip and it's all of these haunted houses and candy shops and miniature golf and just all this just sort of tacky little town. But you've got this amazing physical, you know, natural wonder at the at the end of it all. So that was great. Um, spent a couple of days in Toronto, went to Toronto Island, had never done that before. That was great, which is just, you know, right across. You just hop on a water taxi or the ferry, and that was great. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, beautiful. Get any Absolutely lobster? Beautiful. What's that? Get any lobster? No, no. no. Um, what, was, what was the culinary delight? Um, the culinary, you know, in, well, I was staying with my cousin, and um, uh, she and her husband are both really good cooks, so they, they, they took care of that for us. Um, when we were in Montreal, uh, that was the rest of the time. And the canal, there's, there's a canal in Montreal. You can rent bikes and and bike along, and it's just it's gorgeous. And again, great to be outside. Yes. Um, but we went to the Little Italy section of Montreal and uh, Napoli. <laughs> uh, ate at this phenomenal restaurant called Cornelli. But but we were walking around afterwards uh, just to walk off the meal and. I was just sort of joking, like, you know what? If this restaurant didn't work out, there's like (laughs) 17. Like, if they were full and they couldn't, you know, seat us for an hour, we could have just, you know, walked half a block and run into all these other restaurants. So, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. As the resident Canadian fool here, what was your favorite, Toronto or Montreal? Um,. You know, they're, I mean, they're they're both great. They're they're very different cities. Toronto feels much more like an American city. Uh, Montreal, you can go to uh, there. You've got those two areas of the downtown. One that is very modern, and the other that is very much like an old European city. That you know, they don't. It's all walking in the streets and cobblestones and that sort of thing. So. Also, one of them have very strong underground presence, like not alternative music underground, but just like an actual underground like. Presence where you can the subway. You mean is or? that? Well, no. I guess I was thinking. I, I thought there was either Toronto or Montreal that had sort of like underground malls or something. Oh, I think Toronto has a couple of those, but yeah, yeah. nothing like Atlanta. Or okay, like that, right. That I'm aware of. But Montreal has a great uh, subway system. Super easy to to figure out, um, even for people like me who don't speak <laughs> French. Um, so great, great family trip. Uh, speaking of family trips, before we wrap up, uh, back in June, I got an email from. Longtime listener Robin Rifkin in Seattle, and he wrote, "I'm dragging my family, and then in parentheses, by car because I'm stupid like that to Jackson, Wyoming this week. I seem to recall a mention on the show about a whiskey sent to you from a listener in Wyoming. Maybe it was Montana. What 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 was it? How was it? And do you recommend?" And I replied, uh, "It was Wyoming whiskey, and it's it's phenomenal." And then um, when I got back to the office today, uh, I got a box. With a handwritten note to Chris, Dan, Steve, et al., and all the regular Market Foolery guests, and especially Jason, uh, for sending me some fool gear. Uh, critical Wyoming loot in appreciation for your insightful and compelling analysis. Market Foolery is always first on my playlist. Uh, signed Robin Rifkin. So, uh, and included a bottle of Wyoming whiskey and Bighorn bourbon whiskey from Willie's Distillery in Montana. So, Thank you. Yes, very much. Incredibly generous. Thank you for that. Super thoughtful. And uh, we're, we're going to have to have like a, a market foolery party that includes far more people than just the three of us and Dan Boyd. Because, uh, well, I think we we probably need to go in and send a 
we need to do a Thirsty Thursday. And this needs to be just a part of, we can sponsor a Thirsty Thursday. We have an internal Thirsty Thursday here at, at work where, yeah. you know, a section of the business sort of sponsors a happy hour. And, and we could do ours, and part of it will be this tribute. Uh, one of our coworkers, who will remain nameless, uh, suggested to me that uh, maybe what we could do is use this uh, for a Facebook Live video. <laughs> <laughs> just just see what happens. Hey, you catch that earnings yesterday? I don't yeah, that, and that would be the end of us all. <laughs> yes, it would. All right, Jason Moser, Taylor Markman, thanks for being here, guys. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you.